So 3,000 bursts in the dissenter, back for another Political OD podcast. Uh, this week, uh, we've just come out this afternoon and breaking news that Robin Swan has uh, decided he won't continue as Austrian Unionist Party leader. I'm not sure if that's breaking news or just news that won't really... Yeah, it has to go down as breaking news, but um, it's not going to be earth-shattering, is it, really? Because it's difficult. I mean, Robin Swan has, has given an honest effort to the job and done his best, but it's difficult to remember much about his spell as, as the UUP leader. And the, I suppose he, he failed to come up with um, the kind of big idea that the UUP need to define exactly what they're about or what they're for in an age when the, the, the DUP is dominant. Yes, I, I think the, the was it radical moderation was sort of a coffee morning he idea. D- he described um, he described the party. Yes, I, I think in one of his conference speeches he, he talked about being radical moderates and he talked about new unionism, um, which were fine as phrases, I suppose, but what they meant um, wasn't ever really defined. And whether we've seen radical moderation or new uni- new unionism. Uh, during Robin Swan's tenure, I'm not entirely sure. I think the difficulty was that even when he became leader, I mean, it wasn't that there were that. You know, if you take the Austrianist Assembly Party as the base mm. for leadership, there isn't any outstanding personality in there that you could imagine as taking things to another level. Well, I suppose that. Uh yeah, it does beg the question, what now? And, you know, the, the, the Ulster Unionists have tried a number of ideas since um, since Reg MP left. I suppose Reg MP's Youcomf uh, project was the last time that the the Ulster Unionists did have a big idea or a kind of a, um, an overarching, an alternative proje- a project, some, some kind of, some kind of idea for, uh, to, to advance unionism, to 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 advance the union, um, and the number of uh, there's been a number of leaders since then. Um, I just feel that they're uh, that they're running out of ideas. As much as I would like them to provide an alternative um, on the unionist yeah, side, I, th- I think the difficulty in in the party is that it, you know, it likes to think of itself as a broad church, but it seems to have shrunk to more a series of mission halls. Uh, around mm. the country, there, there's nothing coherent, uh, and you notice that in in, in social media uh, pronouncements of the many and various people speaking for the Austrian Unionist Party. There's nothing. There's no central idea in there, which is a shame. The one thing they have done a lot of very good work on is legacy, but that then seems to be in some way uh, diminished by all these other. There's all this other chatter around that doesn't seem to have any point. Yeah. It, it, it undermines um, that strong message that, as you say, they have in legacy. Um, and they, they've struggled to come to terms with that uh, status as a smaller party. And as a result, um, you know, you sometimes feel that, uh, that they're pursuing policy of, of kind of the, 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 the last representative who's gotten the leader's ear sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it... Uh, it kind of veers one way and then another, so it's a big challenge for whoever comes uh, in and, and takes over from Robin Swan. Uh, I, I mean, that's the big question is: is given the the, the assembly party and and the fact they don't have any MPs anymore, mm. um, there is a limited pool uh, from which they can 
uh, select uh, a new leader and maybe they need to take a step back and uh, maybe a more collegiate uh, central group for a short period of time uh, just to reset or reimagine what the point of the party is in Northern Ireland politics and how to move things forward. Yes, it's difficult to it's difficult to think of a, a kind of dominant figure within that party now, or even somebody who could um, who could possibly set them off in, in another direction. And they've got to decide as well: do they do they pursue a kind of uh, a lighter form of unionism, a kind of more socially liberal uh, form of unionism, and try to bring in that vote? Do they try and and um, uh, and strike a deal with the DUP and, and look to maximise union, uh, unionist representation in that way. Uh, but it's going to take a, a, a strategy. I, th- I think there's very much a, a point to having a party like the Ulster Unionist Party yes. that has the potential, if nothing else, to keep the DUP on its toes yeah. uh, uh, as, the, as the alternative within the unionist community because I, th- I don't think the unionist community is particularly of itself uh, uh, a single entity it's not a monolith at the end no. of the day um, as the as the official uh, unionist party once may have been uh, it's, it's it's quite diffracted there's lots of different interests you need more than one party up there making a, a point uh, to to and and to offer alternatives but it's just going to be interesting to see what uh, what comes next in a proportional system as well um you need that breadth um of opinion yeah. within unionism to bring in ca- all kinds of shades of voters because with the best will in the world the dup are never going to uh, attract everybody on, a, on the topic of all sorts of shades of ideas um i think we have to really uh, look at the consequences of the Supreme Court decision uh, and, and uh, all those ideas now floating about uh, our, our own parliament in Westminster. Uh, I've, as you know, I, I was quite relaxed about the Supreme Court decision. Um, I thought it doesn't, it doesn't stop Boris proroguing parliament for a short period for the purpose of a Queen's speech. That was quite clearly stated that that was a correct use of the prorogation powers. I also thought it was interesting that although uh, uh, the the decision was that there should be no, um, uh, you couldn't prorogue without reason, the suggestion there, which obviously would probably need another court case, uh, was that uh, it would be possible to prorogue for a longer period if you gave good reason. Um, And I I did think that the, the point was that Boris offered no reason at all as to why he wanted the longer recess. That seemed to be the implication of, of the court's judgment, and um, you do have to wonder that if he'd provided even a controversial reasoning, but a, a reasoning that was worked through and a reasoning that was backed up um, with some evidence, the, the court may have been more reluctant to strike down that political judgment. Um, it kept coming back to the fact that no reason had been given of any type. And uh, you know they, they they went they broke that down into into a few areas um, in terms of the, and, and and certainly the length of the the um, prorogation and the wrapping up of uh, of the of the conference recess yeah, in, I d- in yeah, the prorogation um, in the in the prorogation time yeah I think if if, if Boris had like if my, my reading or, or looking at the at the entire case had he actually said 
uh, I am going to prorogue for this longer period of time, or I'm, I'm requesting the Queen uh, prorogues for this longer period of time, because the government has to focus all its effort and time on getting a deal, which all of us in Parliament desperately want, uh, it, that uh, basically anything that is currently resting and, and, and needs completed, it will be part of the Queen's speech I will bring back and fast track in the next Parliament, uh, which would have got out of the issue of serious and urgent matters that have to be dealt with. Um, and also saying that um, there was really nothing substantive without a deal that can be usefully said in respect of, of Brexit for the next few weeks until the Council of Ministers. I think that might have been enough of a reason uh, that it would have been very hard for the Supreme Court, court to uh, actually then counter that as being a political assessment that, that they could object to. Um, and of course, it would also meant now that uh, with all our MPs back, had the course still gone ahead, and all our MPs having screamed uh, for prorogation not to go ahead, and now they're back, what are they doing? Well... Uh, yes, that's a question. I mean, I suppose one option is that Boris goes for another prorogation if that doesn't happen. Um, do we see a vote of confidence uh, in the Prime Minister, which, you know, that that, that, that means um, eating up another two weeks of parliamentary time as this uh, clock clicks, uh, ticks down to the, the 31st of October? Uh, but, I mean, the, the issue with that is we don't seem to have any sign of... Um, of an agreement on any kind of alternative government, particularly I, mm. bearing in mind that um, even if uh, even if the parties this uh, this kind of Remain alliance as they're dubbing themselves, even if they can agree on a prime minister, the prime minister's only really going to be a figurehead of of a government. But but that's I mean I I don't understand how you can have a figurehead PM because at the end of the day you know, it's not about having an alternative prime minister that is an individual in a role. It is about having an alternative government. That is the point of, of, of parliament. So I, I really struggle with the idea of it only being about an alternative PM who gets that role, because it's not just that role, it's the entire government payroll that you'd have to consider. And I also have to say, I'm, I, I always, I get it, I'm getting increasingly annoyed at the use of the term rebel alliance, which kind of makes it all Star Warsy and, and brave, brave uh, rebels standing against the evil empire. When it really is a rabble alliance, it, it's a bunch of people, all with their own political interests. The SNP quite happy to see Labour in Scotland being sacrificed by by Corbyn in Westminster, uh, by the Lib Dems who won't agree to anything anyway. Happily to sit to one side and say we won't have Corbyn, but we're not having anybody else. Uh, Corbyn sitting going. I want the wheels of power because you let me in that door, you'll never get me out of it. I mean, anybody imagining that Corbyn would walk away from government, on, uh, even if it was for two days, just simply doesn't understand the, the, the Seamus Mill and Corbynite uh, attitude to holding the reins of power. It's, a, it's extraordinary that there's been so much um, discussion, discussion about the raised temperature of debate in Parliament and in in the run-up to to what's happening at the moment we had uh, talk of a coup we had boris johnson described as um a dictator as a tin pot dictator mm -hmm. um by a by a, a party leader in, in northern ireland actually 
Um, thing that strikes me is that at some point, and I know that there's uh, that, that there'll be the negotiation of, of a deal, even if we manage to get uh, to a point where we have a withdrawal agreement. At some point, this this whole um, argument will all be over, and there'll be a task of repairing confidence in the political system. Uh, and at the moment. Um, I just don't know how politicians are going to persuade people that we continue can continue this process without everybody, without everything else coming to a halt, even if we manage to get past the current impasse. Uh, it's hard to see Parliament regaining respect, and I think all the parties will have to keep, regain respect in some way or other. I think one of the things I think we can we can finish on a, on a, or maybe looking at this is maybe co- you know party conference season. I mean, this is what we would probably have been usually talking about it the Lib Dems being their own slightly quirky and and mad people running off to prepare for a government they'll never head um, of course all this prorogation has managed to allow Corbyn to appeal to his base by bringing up mad camp lefty uh, uh, agenda items that everybody I think outside of that small uh, sect uh, would say is is crazy uh, that has sort of been almost glossed over mm. um, but nobody's also looking now at the Tory party conference and and uh, we'd normally have something to say about that as well yeah well I suppose actually just a point on the Labour Party conference you're right that it's been um, it's been glossed over uh, Jeremy Corbyn's managed to evade scrutiny really for some yeah. of these uh, these kind of madcap um, policies and otherwise it would probably have been a disastrous week last week and for the of, cor- Party. And of course also that, that that you can hardly say that the Labour Party conference itself was a display of party unity uh, no. in the way they acted uh, no d- absolutely not I mean that that party's riven with um, with divisions and, and insecurities and insecurities um, just as the Conservative Party is, is currently riven with uh, w- with divisions, even though I mean, in in a kind of an ideological sense, they may not be quite as deep. No, I, th- I think the, the the interesting thing I thought uh, looking at the party conference agendas uh, and looking at because I, I think we both have been to a Conservative Party conference, and the real politics of Conservative Party conference is really the fringe of, mm. of the of the party conference and the drinks receptions and all the rest. What was interesting to me was that there were quite a number, particularly of the bigger uh, influence groups, such as Conservative Home and and uh, Policy Exchange and, uh, and a number of others, where where housing is quite a dominant, housing and planning is quite a dominant issue that that hasn't really been talked about much by Boris. You know, it's been NHS, it's been policing, but that housing issue doesn't seem to be to the fore of their agenda and yet it's probably the most pressing dis, uh, issue in in the country it's um it's one of those issues that's been building quietly over over a number of decades and i mean th- th- there's two aspects of it uh, first of all there's the kind of provision of social housing and then you're talking about uh, getting uh, younger people onto the housing ladder and that's becoming sort of increasingly difficult particularly in the southeast and and around uh, London because of uh, you know re- restrictive um, planning laws and, and a very uh, kind of overbearing buy-to-let market. Um, so that's a kind of a, a, a creeping issue that 
um, it's going to win win or lose votes for I think it's for not just the party. buy to let market I think it's the buy for investment market which particularly in London uh, I mean if you go through London you can see the apartments being built in almost every section of the city um, you know from the the east of the city to the west of the city north south everywhere and yet those are often bought for investment simply don't have anybody in them uh, so you know there's a squeeze on on property being available overall and no one has really got past the the land banks or uh, the issue of, of, of where to build in the country. Mm. That seems to be something that everybody touches on and then quickly walks away from across all the parties. Yes. And then the other, uh, well, I suppose the other aspect, the, the thing that's interested me about the, the Conservative Party conference is we've had a far greater emphasis on, on public spending than we would have had in in previous years. Now you could be cynical about that and say that the party conferences, there always is a, a tendency to kind of make high profile uh, announcements and, and, and grab the headlines. Um, but it also... Uh, election coming up. Yeah, there, there's an election coming up. It also uh, reflects a, a kind of an, an idea that there's a changing electoral landscape and that the divides in our uh, political system have become more about Brexit. So it's yeah, I think we've had three years, of, three years of nothing but Brexit. Yeah. I, th I think the, you know, it, it is time for a broader discussion, uh, whether that is a whole series of announcements that are obviously geared to an election, whether that means there really is a debate going on or not is, is a moot point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, f it feeds into um, kind of wider discussion about whether politics now is less about left and right, more about... Um, sort of people who have uh, an affinity with the nation state and people who see themselves as, as anywheres in the in the words of uh, uh, David Goodhart uh, and whether in a way we're kind of looking at a realignment of, of the parties yeah well I think that's another topic probably I think for we'll, another we'll day, take yeah. it for another day because yeah. I think because it's probably an entire 15 or 20 minutes thanks again uh, and we'll be back hopefully in another couple of weeks or so thanks David cheers <laughs>